E-N. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here in the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield broadcasting from day number one of the Nebraska State Fair. Got another interesting market day. Of course, everybody's been waiting for that 130 mark when we got the information that came out from the Pro Farmer Tour. We're going to find out the details of that tour, what those numbers kind of had to say, but it's not just the Pro Farmer Tour that's going on. It's some macros that we're looking at. Outside global market influences, the stock market, China, you name it, they all seem to have their hand in the pot when it comes to our grain and livestock. We're getting joined by Darren Fry. Darren is with Water Street Advisories. So, got to start out. Let's talk about those Pro Farmer Tour numbers that came out this afternoon. Well, they were quite bullish, Susan. Uh, 168.1 on corn and 51.7 on soybeans. The soybean number wasn't as bullish, but hey, who will win out this tug of war? Will it be the corn that pulls the beans up or will it be the beans that pull the corn back? But I think the real question is how much this was built in. We saw a nice rally all week because of the Pro Farmer Tour, and it could be that we open higher you know, on Sunday night and then fail. The market has done that a lot. We'll see if it has more energy to the upside or it actually caps the rally here. As you look at those numbers, though, did you see anything that may have surprised you or maybe you looked at them and said, oh, nope, it's kind of where we were thinking. Well, I thought they'd be pretty friendly given what the tour was doing all week and what they were reporting. There are a couple observations. That is, they went through one of the worst spots of Illinois, which is usually one of our best spots. But Northern Illinois has some really good corn. They didn't get into that area extensively. And then, of course, they got into the worst spots in South Dakota. As far as Iowa being a little less than wow and Minnesota being better, I could see that. And so Wisconsin's got really good yields. They don't get into that part of of the country as well. But hey, maybe the USDA will end up confirming that, yes, the yield's less, but I don't think the USDA will do that all in one report. Maybe they inch this thing down over the next two or three reports and get it closer to this 168. But my guess would be we're still in that 169 to 172 range for USDA. So having said that, then, do you think there could be some sort of surprises, though, in the September report? I do think that we'll see a less, you know, a a corn yield that moves down and a soybean yield that maybe stays unchanged. Depends on how they see it when they go out in the field. And, you know, they should be getting out there early next week and then through the early part of September to get their readings. But, hey, if they see good bean counts and those beans are filling, we could see the bean number stay the same, but the corn number inch lower. That's what I would expect right now. Let's take a look at what we're seeing from um, just the fact that you brought up some of those poorer areas that know that they've got some issues with their crop. What do you guys recommend and what's the chatter? Are they kind of holding on to the corn that they got? Are they going to are they going to sell their beans? What's What seems to be the mood at this point? Well, talking with farmers, they're pretty bullish on corn, and I wouldn't disagree with that. I think if you're going to make room for storage and you, you have limited storage, you sell the beans and you keep the corn. I also think it's a basis play with South America expanding three, four, five million acres on the soybean side. I mean, I can't see where we have more than about a four and a half month window here to sell our beans and capture that export business. So I really like, you know, holding on to corn. I think the basis is going to firm, but also out West where the crop definitely is smaller. We've seen a hot basis for a year now, and I would expect that that trend is going to continue 
well into 2023. So let's look at the macro side of it. What are what are some things that are catching your eye right now, Darren? We really got to watch the stock market. You know, the S&P 500 is uh, really resisted in that 43, 4,400 area. And we didn't get up above that. We need to clear 4,600 to really take the market higher. And we didn't do that. Our next area of support is going to be in this 4,022 area. We're not far from that as the market has been really slammed today. But if we get through that, we could turn this back down into that bear market. I think we've had a bear market rally. And so closing below 4,000, especially that 3,800 level, really opens the door for new lows down below 3,200. So I think that's got to be watched because if we start having a risk off trade, I think it could pull even some of our commodities lower, all of those that don't have a standout story on the balance sheet or their own fundamentals. So I think that's some of the risk here, as well as we have a higher dollar. The dollar is resuming its uptrend, and that will continue to put pressure on the commodity markets and even on the exportable stocks, companies that use export markets to supply you know, profitability to their company. I was going to ask you about that. What type of issues that we might see when it comes to the dollar influencing any sort of export movement? Yeah, it's going to it's going to make it more challenging. You know, I'm not saying that we can't rally things like corn with a good fundamental story, but it certainly means some headwinds for corn and anything that doesn't have a good fundamental story will really have some really strong headwinds and could be pulled lower as a result of a stronger dollar. And I don't see the dollar waning. I see it continuing to push higher, really putting pressure on other countries, their inflationary burdens, and uh, making it harder to source food. And that could come back and hurt us on the demand side as well. So that all bears watching. Well, it's some definite exciting times in agriculture. When we get back, I want to talk more in depth about these, about the exports. But as we look like to our neighbors to the south, uh, they're going to start thinking about planting and any weather concerns that you might be hearing for South America. You know, none right now. I mean, there are some forecasters out here that are thinking we're going to have really a good start to the northern Brazil planting season. I do have a couple people on the weather side that think that we might have drier than normal conditions that could delay planting. So it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but the model data is showing that we'll get started on time and have plenty of moisture. All right, well, stick around, folks. We do have a lot more coming around as we continue momentarily here at the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell as we broadcast from the Nebraska State Fair. So you hear noise behind me. It has already turned into be a busy state fair so far. More is coming up. We'll be hearing from Darren Fry as we continue. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. At Fontenelle Hybrids, we hear a lot from our customers and dealers that we have a family feel to our organization. Just ask Doug Bartek, a Fontenelle dealer at Wahoo, Nebraska. I feel Fontenelle is very family-oriented. They care a great deal about their customers and provide updates on what could be occurring out in the field and what to watch out for. I feel fortunate to work with a great group of people who provide a quality product. For more on being part of the Fontenelle family, just go to Fontenelle.com. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label director VM. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we broadcast from the Nebraska State Fair. And Darren Fry continues to join us. He's with Water Street Advisory. So let's talk about China because they haven't been in the market very often. Then we see this big potential and then a pullback from them. I think there might be some confusion as to where China is and, and its buying process. 
Yeah, you know, we've had some real poor economic numbers out of China. They're now lowering interest rates. They're providing stimulus. They're trying to get their country going again as far as an economic engine is concerned. I think that's a lot to do with the lockdowns they've had. They haven't controlled uh, COVID very well. Their vaccines have proven not to be that effective, and so they've used lockdowns to try to keep that from spreading. That has stopped commerce. And then when you add on to it, they've had such an energy crisis over there, and they've had power outages that have been rolling along, taking some of their industrial sectors out. And so I really think they're struggling. And and I think the outcome of that is, is that you're going to see poor demand. Now, that demand, I don't think, will be uh, completely affected or impacted on the on the food side. But we haven't seen them come for any corn. We know they're not buying wheat. They have bought some good purchases of soybeans, but I would expect that. I mean, I expect the bean exports really to ramp up here over the next two to four weeks and stay strong all the way into January. But I, the real question is, will they come for corn? Do they need corn or do they not? And I do not know the answer to that. But after the type of drought and heat stress they've had, we've heard a lot of that in the news, I would think in the second half of our marketing year, they'll be in for corn. But time will tell. Well, I know there's a lot of folks that are kind of banking that we start to see that, especially when we fell short like we did in the phase one. Yeah, absolutely. And and with China, it's hard to know what, you know, they will end up doing. It's hard to get the right information. But I do think that drought that they had with all the heat stress and all those heat breaking records daily will have an impact on their ability to produce and be self-sufficient. So they have large reserves, but they could still need to release grain and then replenish those reserves and they might have to come to the U.S. for that. But it could be longer than we think. It could be back into that February, March, April, even late spring time frame before we see them come with that. So what have you heard when it comes to harvest progress for those in the Ukraine in Russia area? Because it's been kind of quiet as of late. Well, you know, the corridor seems to be working well, and that is something that I didn't think would happen or happen as it is happening. I mean, it's going pretty well. Uh, harvest is coming along. They're starting to harvest, but I do think the harvest will be smaller. We're going to have a smaller crop. I still think the real question mark is, as we get further into fall, will the corridor continue to work as well as it is currently? And I think that's the real question. What will they be able to export over the next you know, year? What will those totals be? Because it really doesn't matter what their production is as much as how much can they get to the marketplace and i think that still bears watching well darren since we're talking exports let's look at the the livestock side of it how have hogs been doing as of late well you know hogs have been struggling here in fact the charts have rolled over and there's several reasons for that but one of the reasons is we just haven't seen china in buying the exports have been lacking there as well as we just are you know overpriced here right now for the for the demand side and so we have seen the market correct, and I think the cattle market, the beef side, have been holding up a lot better. But we do have ample supplies there, and the cash is starting to turn sluggish, so we might even see those pull back as well. So, you know, if cattle and hogs pull back a little bit, that will reduce some of our feeding margins. And we know that they have been, you know, challenged a little bit with just the high grain prices and the high basis levels, especially out west, for this past season. Is there some consumer pullback concerns as, as folks continue to, to worry about recession? 
I, I think there still is. I mean, I think you see it in the restaurant data. People are just trying to hunker down and do the best they can with their disposable income. In addition to that, you saw a Fed Chairman Paul out today talking, and it wasn't dovish. It was more, we got to go after this. We're not going to give you absolutes or what we're going to do exactly and what the number is going to be. But, hey, we got to get control of this, and it's not going to do it unless we keep raising interest rates. So I think that's why the market is really being smashed today is what he had to say earlier today at 9 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's amazing how the minute they start talking, the markets will, will quickly react. Absolutely, they do. What's the, as we wrap up, what's the one thing you're going to watch going into next week? I think just early action Sunday into Monday. If this market has priced in this move higher because of what Pro Farmer has been reporting all week, then we could have an opportunity to sell here ahead of harvest. Remember, the seasonal is down into the middle of September. Do we have a small enough crop to negate that? I don't know. The market action will tell us. So I'll be watching closely to see how we act on Monday. Okay. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? They can always look me up on Twitter. I'm at uh, Fry, F-R-Y-E underscore W-S-S. All right. That's been today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind folks, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the World Radio Network.